This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am joined by a very special guest for the first half of the Axon Bulletin this Friday. So I'm not going to be sitting here on my own chatting away for an hour, although I do miss that from time to time and I think we should do it more often where the commenters um, basically ask what you want and I will uh, run with the conversation. Yesterday, you may have noticed we had a Champions League winner um, and we also had Simon Donnelly, one of the members of the team who stopped the 10 or won the 1, whatever way you want to look at it. And we're going to follow it up with another very special guest. This is someone who I'm pretty sure 
you will know very, very well. I'm going to bring him in just now. It's none other than Tony Haggerty. Welcome to the show, Tony Haggerty of the Celtic Way. You've come in. We're going to have a wee chat today, Tony. How are you keeping? I'm very well. There's a touch of the Brian Blessed about it, isn't there? <laughs> Well, Tony Haggerty is very much alive and well. And how are you doing? And it's good to be back. And hello to everybody. And thank you very much for inviting me on the programme. We'll appreciate it. Brilliant. The thing is, I am waiting for comments to come in and saying, where's the cupboard, Tony? Where's the wardrobe? The line of which in the wardrobe, where is it? You might be sitting in it. That's maybe the answer to that question. I'm actually in my mother and father's house, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, the wardrobe, I'm getting various things done to my house. So the various noise going on. So... Yeah, um, back at my mother and father. So, yeah, but no, it's great to be on. It's great to see you and uh, say hello to everybody out there uh, to speak to you as well. Everybody who's missing you, Tony, but obviously they can watch on a regular basis. They can read what you're you're saying about Celtic on the Celtic way. You must be reporting or broadcasting five or six days a week, Tony. Yeah, every day we do a podcast at 10 o'clock in the morning. We discuss all the way to Celtic. It's a bit like, a bit like yourselves. And uh, every day I write about Celtic, you know, talk about Celtic, write about Celtic. So it's in terms of that, it's a labour of love, you know, that it's a subscription based website affiliated to the Herald. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I, I mean, I actually left the Daily Record to go into teaching and then I left the university because I just didn't enjoy it. And I was presented with this opportunity and I said, what, what does it entail? And basically said, uh, watching Celtic football matches, writing about Celtic and talking about Celtic every day. And I said, where do I sign? And uh, yeah, I've been doing that for the best part of 18 months now. Uh, and I love it. It's, it's terrific, but it's, to, to quote Ange Postacoglu, it's relentless. Mm. You you never know stop. That, you'll know that more than me. So. You never stop, Tony. The thing is, if I had said to you a couple of years ago when you were regularly on the Celtic State Mind, write down for me, Tony, your dream job. You probably would have written down watching Celtic, writing about Celtic, broadcasting about Celtic. So I'm delighted that that has yeah. come to fruition. Um, yeah, 25 years to be an overnight sensation, no, one way or the other, I'd have had a miss, depending <laughs> what way people view. Yeah, something like that, yeah. You're right, because we did a, just last year, we did an unplugged session on the channel with a guy who I'd been admiring for probably the length of time you've just mentioned, about 25 years, Michael Head. And in all his various guises. He had been in the Pale Fountains, Shaq, um, and, and he comes back as a solo artist, as Michael Head in the Red Elastic Band, and he finally, you know, um, gets a hit, if you like, in the charts. And it was a 25-year overnight success, Tony, so a wee bit like <laughs> yourself. Um, but you're, you're at your, uh, your parents' house. I know that when you're talking about your football tales, and that's obviously led you to write books, we're going to have a wee chat about that. We're going to have a wee chat about uh, what you did um, in November time there. You went over to Sydney. You were part of that Australian uh, journey and experience as well. And just where we are at the moment with Ange and all that, we're going to speak about everything. But I know that when you're talking about football and the passion starts to, to come out of you, and it's very natural, a lot of that is you, you talk about your old fella. You talk about sharing moments and emotions uh, with your dad as well, and that's very important to you, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt. I think everybody uh, was introduced to football by either their, their parent, a grandparent, whatever, uh, that be their dad, their mother, grandmother, grandfather, and it's just a generational thing that's handed down. But all my moments are shared, uh, football moments are shared with my father, my brother, and now my nephew. 
and it is important to me because I, I, I like everything else. Family is just everything to me. When people say, "What's your priorities in life?" and I say, "Family, family, family," and in that order, and then maybe <laughs> Celtic, you know. But uh, I, it's just they're, they're both intrinsically linked because lots of my greatest moments in life are through the football. So they're obviously going to be through the club you support. And um, look at the reaction you get to it, right? <laughs> I mean, you also get a bit of this. You also get a bit of this. And I don't mind that. I wouldn't mind that at all. I don't mind that either. Ron and Rage. Ron and Rage. I mean, that, hey, that's fine. Absolutely. I think I was called him out three, man, as well. Well, listen, Tony, when they were making the biopic of the crew, one of the biopic, in fact, let's talk about two of them. One of them was played by Tom Hardy. Now, by the way, nobody's going to argue with that. And one of them was was played by the Kent brothers. Now, they're all, they're all cut a dashing figure, that's for sure. So if you're going to be called Ronnie Cray... I don't mind that at all. Um, we, we are going to talk about Obviously, your first book, um, which you know, in many ways, was one of your very earliest um, appearances on this channel. You, you came in, you've spoken about yeah. going to give a kick of your ball, Mister, um, yeah. and and, and that's something you told me about. We had emailed back and forward about it because obviously you and I had met many years before. Yeah, and it, it was a phrase that I learned from my my gran, my mum's mum, stayed in Castle Milk. And every Sunday there would be there was a big massive patch of grass, it's called the fields. And so you would go down and you would start and it would be like five aside, and then all of a sudden it would become like twenty aside. And basically anybody who turned up would say to the guy, Go and get a kick your bomb after. Mm-hmm. And he would say, right, you go on that team, you go on that team. So that's where I learned that. And then when my father took me to the football, uh, I heard that phrase, which is the, the second book, Gonna Geese a left door master. Mm-hmm. You know, which was the, t- the old-fashioned turnstile. So that that's that's where the name of the two books have come from because they stuck in my mind from very early. But and going to kicky a bombmaster was it, it meant a lot to me because I'm, I you know my grandma guy died very early when I was only a kid. But uh, it's a phrase that stuck with me. And then it was the last thing that I said when I left the Daily Record. Uh, I stood up and they presented me with a few gifts. They were very kind, and and I, I gave a wee spiel and then I said to them. Thanks for giving us a kick of your ball, master. And that's the last thing I say. And, and walk down the stairs, and I got the, the. It was an old tradition in journalism where you were there so many years. You battered out uh, with pots and pans, and they gave me that treatment, and it was it was really very touching, very emotional, very nice. And uh, yeah, that, that that was the last words I said, and I, and I left the building, and you know, and I uh, it stuck with me. And during the first lockdown, I was asked by a guy called Cliff Pike, who works for Hibster. Burning TV, you maybe know Cliff. And I'm aware of Cliff because he's a yeah, pal of JP's. He's a yes. pal of JP's, yeah. Cliff went on Facebook and said to me, I want the 10 players, because it was a Facebook thing, started in lockdown, the 10 players that influenced the way you thought about football. Mm-hmm. But initially it was just a picture thing, so you did put the pictures up. So I, I didn't put pictures up, I put pictures up, and then I was putting these stories underneath. And a lot of it was linked to my career and family and all that. And then people said, these are really good. Why don't you collate them and put them in a book? And I thought, are people that interested in, in what I've got to say? <laughs> and uh, much to my utter astonishment, and it's not false modesty, it's just like they were interested. There was an appetite for it. So the first book, Going to Gives a Kick of Bob, Mr. was subtitles A Tale of Football and Family mm-hmm. with a fan with a typewriter. And uh, so a lot of those memories are 
my dad meeting Bobby Murdoch in uh, one of the bars, the, the Brazen Head. And and so my dad took me to see Kenny Dalglish, who was my hero as a kid. That's how we, we actually went to Shawfield to see Clyde because he didn't want me growing up a Celtic or a Rangers fan or, or a bigot. But he was a Celtic fan and I was just like, and we heard the roar from Celtic Park. Took me from Shawfield one half, second half over at Celtic. There we go. So he took me to see my hero and then I had the ultimate pleasure and privilege of introducing my dad to his hero, which was Bobby Murdoch. Mm-hmm. And Bobby just said to him, do you fancy a pint, Danny? And the two of them walked to the bar and you can hear it now. And I just I just thought, you know, if it ends tomorrow, that's that's the business, you know. So tremendous. So we kind of came full circle. My dad took me to see my hero and I introduced him to his and through the through the medium and your mode of employment and I thought what a privileged and honour that is and I've always retained that that lots of the moments in life and these stories a wise man once said to me that you do what you do and there's a lot of kudos attached to that and prestige and glamour and glitz I suppose like a wise man once said to me they're not your stories Tony you don't own them they're to be shared mm-hmm. and by sharing them you reclaim ownership of them and I thought it's a bit profound, but in deep. It is. A brilliant statement. And I that think is by deep. Sharing, yeah, and I thought by sharing them, which I have done in both these books, people have derived a lot of joy, as much joy as I have, from uh, recounting them. And uh, they've been really, really kind. Uh, the comments towards the two projects have been utterly brilliant. And I, I thank everybody that's bought the books, either or, or, or both, and uh, from the bottom of my heart, because it's a... The most humbling thing when you get a DM from somebody you don't know to say, look, I really enjoyed that. And it's relatable, I think most people say. So, yeah, mm. I mean, it's it's been a wonderful period in my life and uh, I've just really enjoyed it and I've really enjoyed the feedback that people have given me from the books. But, yeah, as you said, family, I mean, my family are always kind of involved. They're involved heavily in the first one, not so much in the second one because the second ones are kind of, more and the first one was like that too, but it's career snapshots, chapters, you know, of things and people that I've met going along the way in in the in the, the journey with working firstly with twenty one years at the record and then now with the Celtic way and, and things I've done and experiences and people seem to have taken to the experiences you you've, you've jotted down and they, they and you know yourself, you look at I don't take myself that serious. So there's a lot of humorous stuff in there and a lot of anecdotal stuff. A lot of poignant, sad stuff used to get mm-hmm. people crying on the Friday, you know. So it's a lot of that, and it's a it's a great mix, I think. Yeah, there, you're right. Friday was the day for tears, by the way. Um, <laughs> the emotions you used to play with the emotions story. Yeah. But when you were talking there about you know putting it out there and then reclaiming it, it's like the Ian Brown Noel Gallagher song, "Keep What You Got by Giving It All Away," and that yeah. that was kind of deeply that's profound that's as well. That's the premise of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, people that know me you know I'm pretty open, honest. I'm quite a humble guy. I appreciate everything that I've had and what football has brought me in life. You know, but by the same token, I've worked hard. Nobody's just said, "There you go, do that." But I, I, I like to think that I'm still the same person that was asking you know, for a kick of somebody's ballmaster uh, nearly fifty or forty odd year ago. You know, when I was playing down at my band, so. I'd like to thank that. Just when you said that that was the feels, I thought you were going to say, and we called them Athen Rye. <laughs> <And, laughs> <laughs> 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 I 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. School just behind there, there's a big patch of grass. That, and Castle Moat, for those that are maybe familiar with there, they'll, they'll know. But yeah. No, Castle Moat certainly and produced plenty of footballers, one, Tony. Yeah, of course, it was a breeding ground for footballers. And all hotbed. Yeah, 20 aside, you know, every Sunday before Scott spoke come on. <laughs> we'll talk about no doubt, uh, in a minute, but yeah, I just it's just part of my growing up and my childhood, you know, and that's a lot of those memories. You, you know, you they they just evoke something special, and you know, and they always make me smile. Oh, for sure, for sure. I've been told not to say that because it reminds people of Graham Sunis, so I will stop saying. <laughs> it. Um, but remember, Graham Sunis actually almost signed for Celtic. Um, I got that story in the Quality Street Gang book as well. He was up there on a Tuesday and Thursday at Celtic Park trying to get a contract with Celtic, along with Kenny Dalglish and Danny McGrain. Um, I'm just going to have to share this with you, Tony. So we're getting things like Tam Mac, Tony. There's there's four uh, four leaf clovers on that as well. We've got. Uh, Mo Sislak, Tony Boy, um, people it would appear have been missing you. Lucy and Tony never brought his wardrobe, absolutely. But then some people just call you the wardrobe. The wardrobe yeah. is back. Um, absolutely brilliant. It's great to see the uh, reaction that you're getting yeah. from coming on to have a wee chat. Uh, good to see Tony back. Um, sans wardrobe or not, absolutely. Uh, Tony twice in a day. Hey, why not, eh? Why not twice in a day? And the wee <laughs> green man has been missing you. There, that's that's enough. Um, Tony. We're not uh, having tears. We're not having tears on a no, Friday no, today. Not today. <laughs> no, we'll try not yeah. Right. Before I get on to <clears throat> your second book, um, going to give the boy your Mister being your first one. You said it was like a pattern word that, or phrase that you used when you were leaving one of your previous jobs. Did you know that the Laz? That classic seminal debut album, the final song on the Laz was a song called Looking Glass, and the final word uttered on that song was cast. And of course, the bass player, uh, John Power, left the band to form a band. And what did he call it? He called it Cast. Right. I just thought I'd throw the music, the music references in here. Okay, every, every day's a school day, isn't it? You know, so. it is. That's what I was saying to you, though, Tony, um, about the process of writing a book and doing interviews, and I know that obviously over the years you will have done hundreds of interviews, um, is that things happen, they're historical fact. Um, and if you want to write about Celtic or football, then you can find out what happened through archive materials, reports, other people's books, the bibliographies, all that kind of stuff. But I always find that the best way to try and find that wee nugget and make it that wee bit more authentic is to speak to people who are there. And often what happens is they say something they've maybe not mentioned before. We actually got it yesterday from Paul Lambert. Yeah. He was talking about the 97 League Cup final. And he says, you know, I don't know if I've shared this before, but, and at that moment you're on the edge of your seat, you're saying, oh, oh yeah. brilliant. That's no, that's do, you, do you still get that buzz? Do you still get that oh, buzz? I, I just get a buzz speaking to anybody involved in football. My enthusiasm for football will never wane. I, I even did a, a stint of TV commentary for Hamilton Aki's TV and I loved it. I, absolutely brilliant and wonderful people doing wonderful things at a community club. And, you know, and, I, and I, I gave them my total professionalism. They knew who I supported, but it didn't matter. I was commentating in Hamilton Ackies every other Saturday or Sunday and I was locked in. So you learn and you, you know, so just to be involved in football and but to speak to the kind of calibre of person I've spoken to and, you know, doing it for a quarter of a century, you, you do pinch yourself the people you've met, but you just say, when they turn around and say to you, do you know this? You know fine well you don't know it. You just 
much. You know, you open your ears and you shut that and you're just like, you just listen intently for however long they're going to say something. And Paul Lambert telling you that, that he has to be dropped for the cup final and told them, yes, I mean, that's just gold, right? Mm. It's gold because, you know, Michael Caine, not a lot of people know that, you know, that kind of thing. So when you get that moment, it's absolutely magic. And as a writer, it's priceless. Because then you say to yourself, okay, right, how do I, how do I write this? How do I make this? You know, how do I make this leap off the page and come to life? And you know that that's that's the skill and art in itself. And you get a real buzz from that. And you you, you it never loses its its, its uh, ability to give you those great moments. You know, for all the times you spent at a windswept a broth on a Wednesday night, there's there's a Paul Lambert moment. You know, and I don't mind either or equally is, you know, they're on an equal par with me because just being involved in football is just magic. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, the day I lose it is the day I'll chuck it. You know, I'm still lucky to be gainfully employed and doing it for 25 years and, and I'm thankful for that. I really am. Well, you shared a wee memory there about um, how it can come full circle with your old fella um, going and getting a pint with Bobby Murdoch. The thing I remember about my dad, there's a, there's plenty of funny wee stories, but this was just typical of my old fella. So we got an invite to Celtic Park. Now, I'd need to check my programmes and all this kind of stuff, or even the date of the photo, but Eric Sviachenko had signed for Celtic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was unveiled that day, but he wasn't in the squad. So he's wearing his civvies and all the rest of it. And we were in the posh bit. We were in the boardroom. We'd got an invite. And there, my old fella was, you know, all suited and booted and all that kind of stuff, Tony, right? Wearing the funeral suit and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and he's getting a few drams and all that from the wee bar uh, area. So there's a there's a couple of, like, for anybody who's been lucky enough to be in the place, there's a couple of wee tables with biscuits and sandwiches and all that. So we're just sitting there drinking the tea, proper prawn sandwich brigade. I've got to admit, I'm, I'm apologising. But it was worth it, right? Because who walks in? Eric Sviachenko, right? And he comes up for a cup of tea. So me and the old man just start talking to him as you would, welcome him to, to Celtic, to the club, to Glasgow and all the rest of it. And while we're chatting, he, he was so good with his time. He's got no idea, of course, who we are, but he's obviously been told he's away into the boardroom. So maybe he thinks we're a pair of suits, right? <laughs> a pair of blazers, right? And he's chatting away. Meanwhile, out in the corner of my eye, I've seen Ian Bank here waiting. He's not waiting for a cup of tea and a custard cream. He wants to introduce himself with the new signing, but he snubs him. He snubs Bank here because he's talking to me and my dad. And I was just looking at my old man saying, listen, he's going to cotton on within five seconds. You're not a member of the football board of this club, right? But he didn't. And he just chatted away. It was brilliant. And I've got a great snap on as well. Bank here was raging. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, he's no longer well, at the club. Moments like that are brilliant. They're priceless. I mean, you you, you know, you bottle that. It's brilliant, isn't it? And it's a brilliant memory. It's a brilliant memory of your father as well. And, and even better for you because you shared it with your dads, you know. It's just as I, I, I say, the moments that you share with others are just they're just joyous, you know, wonderful. That mm, is, and that's what going to the football is all about as well. Before I get into your second book, Tony, because we're going to um, obviously wrap up our chat uh, around about the halfway mark, game of two halves, and all that, and then I'm going to throw it over to the Axon uh, team to talk about uh, this weekend's game and everything else that's happening in the world of Celtic as we do. But um, I followed your journey to Australia. I followed your journey, hot dog or not hot dog, the whole bit. Um, you're obviously all over the social media channels. I remember you saying months ago, probably when the tour was announced, I'm going to go to that. I don't know how, but I'm going to be there. And you yeah. did. Tell us about it. I mean, it was just wonderful. I, I get a chance to go. It was sponsored 
and uh, we went and you know what a, what a trip trip of a lifetime you know i'm standing outside the sydney opera house at six in the morning singing a song on for tiktok and all that you know obviously said you're scottish and you know you can't come to sydney opera house and no sing a song so i'd, I'd kind of i'd started that journey in ham uh, frankfurt and i was talking about a horse with no name so i sang a song about Ange <laughs> to the chain of horse with no name. I can't even remember the lyrics off, off the top of my head, but uh, you know, it's on it's on the TikTok if you want to have a look at it. And uh, you know, and people just sort of got into it because I was I to write a diary every day as well and you know my and my travails and it was tremendous. I just thought, what a way to follow your club to the other part of the world and to be part of that and to speak to Ange and he's home country and how proud he was to take Celtic there and to see all the fans and you know I got really friendly with a guy that played with uh, South Melbourne alongside Ange, a guy called Stevie Blair who's one of Ange's best mates and mm-hmm. you know has since become a really good friend of mine. He came to the hotel and met me, bought me lunch, I just basically checked in and then he did a TikTok video with me as well. Just It was a surreal experience but no tremendous because you're thinking I'm on the other side of the world because of Celtic Football Club it was just it was wonderful and it was wonderful to just sort of stand there and speak to you and Celtic were great they, they put up players and stuff and you know the access was was, was the access was fine and then around the matches so it, it was terrific and to go and, and watch them play Everton and, and play you know in, in these stadiums in Australia was just magic I mean I was Three stops, three tram stops away from the Sydney Opera House and the, the, the Harbour Bridge, and you're just thinking, this is all a bit surreal. And, and I'll tell you a quick story. I, I was uh, I had the second last night because I went to the Everton Sydney Wanderers game, Western Sydney Wanderers, because they wanted me to do the whole experience. So my second last night, I went to the, the 24 hour restaurant that was on. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. They said it was look, overlooking the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the, and the Opera House, and I've ordered a steak and peppercorn sauce and think nothing of it. And there's a there's a guy and a woman sitting, and the guy swings round his chair and says, "Tony Haggerty, you you used to be an axon, didn't you? And you do the Celtic way now." And I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "I'm the last guy you expected to, you know." And Saudi Arabia, Argentina was on. And I was kind of focusing on that, and I went, "How are you doing?" And he came up with, he gave me a big hug. He's like, love what you do. He's like, this is my wife. She was Australian. He says, we travelled up from Perth, Australia, to watch Celtic. So chatting away at him for 15, 20 minutes. 
And then he's like that to me, I'll let you go and eat your steak because it's getting cold. I said, thanks a lot, mate. Shuggy, I think his name was. And uh, brilliant, great. And I was just like, that's just bizarre, you know, outrageous. And I go to pay my bill and Shuggy's paid it. Brilliant. Shuggy, Shuggy and his wife have legged it long before. And I, I was like, to get in on her, mum and the guys like that, your, your friend covered it. Brilliant. Was that yeah. your first trip to Australia, Tony? It was indeed, yeah. First so you're trip. breaking new ground all the time. Oh, but, uh, via, I think I went Frankfurt to Seoul and then the way back to uh, Singapore. We got to see those airports as well, which were like <laughs> kind of tourist attractions in themselves, you know what I mean? But the whole journey was brilliant. I mean, I was away 10 days, a day and a half travelling there and a day and a half back, and uh, people were there. I, I interviewed a guy called, uh, I think, Al. Murray, I think his name was, he was a member, uh, the president of the Sydney CSC, and it was just great, and their, you know, in their headquarters, they did all sorts of murals and all that, it was terrific, you know, just, it's just a brilliant vibe and a brilliant trip, and uh, if I'd never go anywhere else with Celtic, it doesn't matter, because uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was special, you know, really special. Nah, sounds like you're flying, Tony, but of course, we're going to talk about your, your second book as well, I remember... You and I were on our way down to, um, there it is. And by the way, I've got to say, the link is underneath this video. The link to buy that on Amazon is under the video, Tony. So Thanks very much. if you enjoy Tony's anecdotes, his stories, his insight, or even like uh, Stephen, if you enjoyed the first book, then click on the link underneath. Uh, the second volume is out there. I remember us, we're on a train, we're going down to London Um year and a half ago maybe a couple of years yeah. ago uh, and it was for the the award ceremony and you were you were doing interviews on the way down to yeah. the award ceremony you're on the train you're doing interviews never switching off it was brilliant it was great to see um but we we had a wee chat that day because the night before you'd been out and about i think it may have been the first time you had physically met johnny but um yeah. That, you've got a friendship now with, with Johnny Owen, who obviously is a, he's an actor, he's a DJ, he's a director, he, you know, he's a writer, he's a podcaster, a man of many talents. Tell us a wee bit about your friendship with him, how that developed. Well, Johnny did the four, yeah, sorry, the Three Kings film of me, and the Celtic. We asked me to speak to Johnny Owen uh, to sort of uh, promote the Three Kings, and I said, yeah, and I, you, you did it before as well, hadn't you? You'd spoken to him, brilliant guy. So we did a podcast like this for the Celtic Way, and we just hit it off. And at the end of it, he says, I'm coming up to Glasgow. Do you fancy coming out? And I thought it was one of those things that will never be arranged type thing, you know. So, But sure enough, he came up to Glasgow. He got in touch. Uh, and I said, thank you for doing the podcast. I gave him a bottle of whiskey. I said, well, I was really kind. And he was like, oh, well, you know, thanks very much. And from then on, we just kind of... Uh, We've kept in touch, and I've been on Talksport. He does Talksport, Johnny Owen and Friends, and whenever there's anything Celtic related, he'll phone me up. You know, eight o'clock in the morning, nine o'clock or something in the morning. You coming on? Sorry, <laughs> when ten o'clock? I was like, okay, let me get myself squared up, that kind of stuff. And uh, he's become a really good friend, and uh, you know, and I mate, 
basically, you know, because when he comes up, he always invites me out. And so I, I said to him, look, could you do the foreword for my book? Mm-hmm. Would you? I know. And I says, I know if it's a tall order, you're busy. And he was like, no, I, I'd gladly do it. And uh, so uh, I, the book came out in December the 12th, I think. But he sent it to me late November or early December. And uh, honestly, I just I burst out crying when I read it because it's, it's quite a spectacular and very humbling uh, forward. And I said to him, you're a big hunk of hunk of Welsh burning funk, you know. So he'd get me greeting on a November evening, December evening, and he said, he said it's an absolute pleasure. And he said, I wish you well with it. And he, he got me on to talk sport last week uh, to promote it and stuff like that. So it uh, is, you know, and, <laughs> and you rhyme off the kind of, list of his credits, it's astonishing. He's yeah. a highly, highly talented man and a brilliant guy with a wonderful sense of humour and uh, tremendous, just just a wonderful fella, you know, and I know and, and if anything the, the, the forwards just it just sets it up nicely for the smack down the fairway, you know, for those that are interested in reading it and so you, you can get it on Amazon. It's six ninety nine if and anybody that buys it, thank you very much and thanks for putting a link in but yeah, I mean, it's, and as I say, it's 20 snapshot stories of a career. Mm-hmm. You know, there's chapters about Pele, Valderrama, start with a high bar, you know, uh, Brendan Rodgers, Chris Sutton, chapters on Jock Steen, an eyewitness account of the, the very night that he died by former Scottish football secretary Peter Donald. He tells a wonderful tale about a very sad, that'll get you crying. There's an obituary to Bertie Old, which about on here, but one of my favourites, and it means a lot to me, is uh, there's a chapter on Arthur Montford, and the reason I did a chapter on Arthur Montford, who was the face of STV in Scottish football when you were a kid growing up, certainly my era, I wrote an ode to Arthur Montford when I was at uni. Creative writing class had to get an, an independent adjudicator into market, because nobody in the English department knew who Arthur Montford was. And the guy, the guy gave me an astonishingly high mark, and he said to me, have you presented this to Arthur Monford? And I went, no. And he was like, I think Arthur would really like to see this. I said, I don't know. But one of my ambitions in life was to interview Arthur Monford. Mm-hmm. So I leave uni, uh, gra- graduate from uni with a, uh, an honours degree in English and politics, and I go on and do my postgraduate diploma in journalism, and we get this brief interview somebody famous I'm thinking it's now or never. Arthur's the man. Got to be Arthur. So I phoned the Sunday Post to get his number, and I get his number, and I ask him to do it. And at the time he was ill, and he said, "Oh, I'm not so sure, Tony. I'll let me get back to you." So it's about three days before the actual assignment's due to be handed in, and Arthur phones me. My phone's my house, my mum and dad's house, and says, "You still want me to do this?" I'm like, "Yeah." He went, "I'll do it." So I met him in the outside the uh, Torrance Inn in Bishop Briggs. Quarter to 11 in the morning. It didn't open to 11. And, it, and he turned up. And I wrote the piece at the time in my lips. I said, it was a great line. And I wrote, it was as if I was meeting an old friend for the first time. Because I knew this guy, but I didn't know him, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. So he opens it. So he comes out the car and, and I'm like, Arthur, oh, you know, get this, he's got this, the sheepskin and the bonnet on. And, you know, just, just flannels, dressed like Arthur would. And he says, right, she's uh, up his foot's no open. She's just come into the car. She's start the interview there. But we never got into the pub because I spent the next two hours in his car. And it's one of the best two hours of my career, right? Just unbelievable, right? 
So in between, he's telling me about Anfield's 77, all the Kermistine, you know, all these great places he's been and done. And his career's just, his career's a who's who of 100 great sporting moments type thing. And uh, I've happened to say to him, I'm young, I'm, I'm 20 odds, 25, I think I was. And I've said to him, Arthur, I used to do an impersonation of you. And the fact that the ode to Arthur Montford was interspersed with that, that was the thing, it was it all lines of his commentary, right? That I remember from growing up. Mm-hmm. It's to me, do it. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 that way. I thought, why did I say that? And then I've just looked at the, the ode and I've went, go have a look, so I'm trying to put us a goal. And he's busted laughing, right? And he's like, ah, this is how it's meant to be said. So he says it. And, uh, and I'm killing myself laughing. And then he says to me, right, so the bits of commentary, he starts reciting them and then saying to me, you do it. <laughs> Proven, Aitken, Macadam, goal, 2-2. Right, that kind of stuff, right? So um, I'm in my element, this guy, and I just, the two is increasing myself laughing, right? And uh, and it came about because when I was a kid, St Bride's played Claremont, that was a local rivalry at schools football. And we played them in an important cup tie, and we gubbed them 7-3. And it was kind of grass at the park. was red ash, black ash, all the way down the middle, grass at the sides. And we had an excellent, an excellent prize pupil refereeing. And one of the players, one of our players, hit this hit this shot. And there was no nets, so we just hit the stanchion and come back out. But it was well wide, right? I've shouted, go! And the, and the refs gave it, and they all went absolutely mental, right? So at the end of the game, they walked in, and somebody says, that was like a Scots boat moment. And I've just went like that. McLean tries one, a dipper, it's by the post, it's a goal, right? Uh, so everybody's just bust out laughing, right? So that's where, it, that's where the impersonation came from. And Arthur loved it. And then he, he, he turned around and just like Lambert said to you, he said to me, Tony, I'll tell you a story. I said, OK. He says, Scotland toured South America, right? Before the 78 World Cup, they toured South America in 77. And they go to the Maracana, right? Brazil, they played Brazil. But I think the night before, He's got the AAA, right? He's got the access all the area. So he's behind the goal, and Bobby Clark's in the goal. And he's annoying Bobby Clark and saying, Bobby, just one, just one, just let me hit one, please, please. Bobby Clark's like, Arthur, you'll get me hung, you know? Please, please let me hit one. And so he says, Tony, I'm asking him to hit a penalty. It's like, the Maraca, there's nobody in the Maracana, it holds 200,000 people, right? And he, say, he proceeds to say, Tony, he lets me do it. He said, So I start commentating on myself. Right? It's Montford. It's Montford. The kick of destiny. This will win the 1978 World Cup for Scotland. Come on, Arthur. Come on, Arthur. Right? So he's telling us, and I'm howling. Right? I've gone. I'm, I'm solid gone. And so he says, Montford. Montford shoots. Goal! Sensation! Scotland have shook up the world, right? And he's, you know, all that. So, ah, oh, man. I'm just like, oh, take me now, right? And he says to me, just Tony, I've run away in the Maracan. I punched the air. He's like, and I'm screaming like a loony. And she's Bobby Clark's looking at me as if I'm with this guy. He says, and I'm no caring. He says, he says, I'm in my mind, he says Scotland have won the World Cup because he was really partisan about Scotland, right? And I was just like, oh man, that, you know, moments like that, just just wonderful, right? And then he says to me, She do you have another copy of that poem? I said, Yeah. He said, You sign that one, and I'll sign this one. So we swapped. And I shook his hand and said, look, thanks. That was just that was wonderful, right? And I get out and I, and I get out of the car and he gets out of the car and he says to me, Tony, before you go, he said, I'm going to give you a piece of advice. He says that she'll not remember. He said, I'll not take stock of till 
further years down the line. I said, okay. She's one piece of career advice. I said, right. She's Tony, when you wake up in the morning, put on your shoes, not your slippers. And he disappears into his car, like, you know, stars in your eyes. <laughs> and then I'm kind of like that. And it's so many years later, I, I recognise what it means. Always be active, always be busy, always have a reason yeah. to get up in the morning. Because he was always busy, right? He always, you know, I thought, wow, what a guy, what a piece of advice to give to a young guy. So he drove away, and then people must have thought that I was a loony because I had one less ambition in life, and I was really chuffed. So I kind of ran about three yards and I punched the air like that. And kind of jumped up and, I just, and then I kind of came down and I was like, right, okay. And I've still got the interview. It's on a wee tape, the old uh, dictaphones where you had tapes. Yeah, right. A wee tape. And so that chapter's in the book because he was just a special man. He was real, He was one of those that was, um, you know, he had a, a real kind of influence and in what I was doing. Him and Archie McPherson. And I always thought it was a kind of weird quirk with the two of them. Who were the voices of Scottish football had the same initials, and uh, you know, you know, Arch and Archie's became a friend as well. Woof, swept away there, it's all pushing and shoveling. That's an own goal, you know, that kind of stuff. So, uh, I used to always love that kind of and I, I, these guys were beamed into your living room, you know, they were, we were spoiled, Tony. I mean, obviously, you know, they, they guys, and, and then a few other voices that became known a wee bit yeah. later on, they, you know, they, they can actually transmit you back to the 80s. Oh, For sure, me, right. you know, when you hear them commentate or even speaking, and it was a massive part of watching the game. I don't think it's a special now. Uh, so many of them come and go, but, um, and again, the guys were probably not archetypal. If you were to write down, this is what you need to be a TV personality, that was not it. No, but they've done it so, so well. Uh, and, and and the fact that because of the it, you know football's it's saturation coverage of football now there's not a big game that happens that you can't see, uh, but back then it was uh, forty five minutes on a Saturday night, forty five minutes on a Sunday. So these guys were special. They were special people, which is why I said it was like meeting an old friend for the first time because I felt that I knew them, but I knew nothing about them, you know. And they were just special people, as you say, to a certain generation growing up. And uh, yeah, and I. I uh, as I say, there's lots of chapters. There's a chapter on Sid Waddell. I met Sid Waddell at the darts. You know, people say, don't meet your heroes, but I love the darts because of Sid Waddell. And it's, just, it's just wonderful meeting a guy like that. And there's also a chapter on Jack Charlton, mm. uh, who spoke at the Football Writers Association dinner. And my brother's involved in that. And uh, yeah, and again, another moment which you share with a member of your family. And, I don't want to spoil, but if you want to read the book, fine. If you don't buy the book, the link is under the video. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, and it's full of stories like that. I mean, another one was uh, it fell into my lap when Celtic signed Massimo Donati, and uh, I had contacted Andrea D'Amico, who was Massimo Donati's agent, on the Monday, and he said something might be happening. It got to the Friday. It just the contact had completely stopped. So the Friday night, I go out to the Bonnie Prince Charlie Barney's go bride, and I've had a skinful. I've had about eight Southern Comfort and Lemonades. I'm half jaked, right? And I'm thinking, yeah, I phone him. So I phone him. And, I, and I'm waiting in the Italian answering machine message. And the next thing I hear is, yes, Peter, I faxed the three million pounds transfer of and, uh, Massimo Donati to Celtic, four-year contract. And I'm like, Keep talking, we'll keep talking. Right? So <laughs> I just let him go on a wee rant. And then I've said, 
Andrea, my name is Tony Haggerty from Daily Record newspaper in Glasgow. I know speak of the English, I know speak of the English. And he hangs up, but he didn't realise I speak of the English. So I've phoned, <laughs> I've phoned Jim Trainer and I've said, Massimo Donati signed him for Celtic. He signed four-year deal, three million quid. And he's like, Tony, where are you right now? And I'm like, he's like, you're dealing with I'm in the Bonnie Prince Charlie Boozer and he's called Bride. He shouts down the phone, name me a drink, you'll need to write this. <laughs> he's like, you anywhere near your house? I'm like, nah. <laughs> he's like, name me a drink. So I'm like, okay. He's like, I'll phone you back. I'm like, okay. So 10 minutes, he phones me back. And he's like, you're spot on. He's like, many of you had? And I'm like, about 10. <laughs> he's like, he's like, so we're up and write this. I said, okay, if you'll write it. He says, are you able to? I said, I'll go into the copy. Copy testers and dictate the story down the phone. Yep, Celtic sensational snoop for Italian, uh, you know, three million AC Milan, former AC Milan, national denial, midfielder, all that stuff. He's like, right, fine. And then he says to me, but your punishment for bevying is put my name first on the exclusive. <laughs> you're, you're having a laugh. It's <laughs> so danger. And he's like, no, no. He says, an exclusive by James Taylor and Anthony Haggerty. I was like, ah, oh, come on. And sure enough, the back page of the director of the Master of for Celtic was by uh, James Taylor and Anthony Haggerty. And I, I, I was a bit annoyed at that, but then I thought, well, he got it kind of copper bottomed. But he did say to me, well done for instantly sobering up and tuning in to what your man was saying, you know. So, I mean, and- just, Landed in your lap, you know. So just one of the moments, Tony. But the thing is, I know from talking to you, and I know from your your time speaking uh, on a Friday on Axon that there are many more tales. So we are hoping for a volume three and so on uh, from Tony Haggerty. I've got to say that it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you again, Tony. Always great to see you, and obviously we'll catch up over the weekend as well because the great Jim Moore's theatre play is coming to Glasgow, and Jim's going to be up for the second half of the Axon Bulletin. Tony, I know that there's loads and loads of positivity coming through in the comments. Um, you're much missed. You're much loved. Thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. I can I say to you, thank you for uh, inviting me on and good luck with your own book, The, the Celtic Jersey, because it's a work of art, that, and uh, I think every Celtic supporter should own it. And, uh, yeah, uh, you should be proud of that because it's a real triumph. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. You take care. I'll catch up with you soon, my man. Take care. Thanks for that. There we go. Three superb guests over a two-day period. Uh, you're well aware of Tony Haggerty. I've got a few Axom regulars waiting in the wings. Let's bring them in. Who's going to be on the Friday bulletin? Who knows? Sometimes you just don't know. Uh, first up is Laura Bradburn. Laura, that's some football jersey you've got on. I'm, I'm hoping the colour scheme fits all right. Uh, it's Batiste 96-97 with... Um, my favourite Croatian fullback of all time. I'll let people guess who that is. That, by the way, that is uh, yeah, it's more than adequate for a Friday. We've got Declan McConville coming in. Plenty of green on your screen as well, sir. Uh, there's another two. I'm going to have to drop out soon enough because the screen is going to be fully populated. Um, Jim Orr, the man, bend it like Bertie. I'm sure you can tell us a wee bit about that during the show today, Jim. Welcome to the show. And finally, before I disappear, Brian Degnan dialing in from Swindon. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on on a Friday. I'm going to drop out now. And by the way, run for as long as you want, because obviously there'll be plenty to talk about. And uh, I'll catch up with you just in a wee bit. Cheers. Cheers, Paul. Cheers, Paul.
I think, uh, you know, there's four days on here, but, but I spoke to Paul earlier today and he said about, you know, just, I think it's always thrown our way into the mix, but but Jim, I want to come to you first, last night, Bendel at Bertie, Pavilion Theatre, um, how did the first night go? Obviously I've seen it down uh, my way, I, I met up with you at the very kind of start of your planning in this, but what was that like to, to take it to the Pavilion last night? Great, uh, Declan packed pavilion last night. Uh, first of four performances uh, cast at the top of their game, none more so than the, the comic genius that is Des McLean. So we've got another three to go tonight, tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow night. Uh, there's a few tickets left, not that many, but uh, yeah, a lot of nice comments on social media today. So yeah, went really well, thanks. Good stuff, glad to hear it. Laura, Brian, good to see you both as well. Um, Laura, I feel as if I'm kind of encroaching into your territory here because I know you're the usual kind of Friday host in here so I'll try and throw it over to you as much as I can in terms of taking the lead on this. Um, I know there's a lot in the, the, the chat about European Super Leagues. We had Paul Lambert and Simon Donnelly on yesterday and I think it'd be interesting to get all your your takes on that. Um, there's obviously a Celtic press conference happening just now. Fan media do have an embargo on what they can say, so I don't think there's anything came out about that yet. If there's anything that's breaking, I'll keep my eye on the old Twitter. Um, Brian, come to you in this first. We'll obviously be talking about Celtic in the Scottish Cup. We can, we can run for as as long as we like. Uh, no rush at all. But we'll come to this kind of European Super League chat. Obviously, April 2021, um, being a Celtic supporter at that time wasn't too pleasing. But then we started to see what was going on at Anfield, Old Trafford, particularly when the fans broke in. And there was this chat about a, a, a European Super League, you know, two or three days later, you've got the apologies come out from the Glazers and whatnot saying, you know, we were wrong here. This was a bad idea. But A2022, sports management came out with this uh, idea yesterday. It's to involve 60 to 80 teams. It's based purely in sport and performance. But what is your kind of initial reaction to this idea? Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I mean, I think it's, if you compare it to the previous uh, Super League fiasco, I think it's very telling that when that didn't go ahead, now Liverpool and Man United are up for sale. So I think it's very clear who's pushing that agenda and why. Mm. It does a Celtic having a place in this thing. It's, initially, you sort of go, well, no, I don't want it to be part of this sort of 
you know, super wealthy, super rich contingent of things that takes that sporting aspect out. But it depends how they structure it. Um, I suppose you could say the same about the Champions League now, really. It's just sort of, I mean, it's not really, it's not been the Champions League for for a long, long time. I, don't, I, I can't remember the last time my champion won it. So it's, um, it's, I mean, it's probably Madrid, but it's the, the fact is, it's it's a sort of, it's not really football in a lot of ways anymore. It takes a thing in it. I don't know for how much I want Celtic to be part of it. Uh, that being said, obviously, if there's a business opportunity, you can imagine they probably will. It would just be interesting to see where the fans fall on that, because I'd imagine most Celtic fans would have been against the European Super League. But then, if you actually get the the, the pounds and pence, and you could be making X amount a year and sending these players to play in that stage, would they change their mind? Uh, I think that, I think some might. Laura, somebody just coming in here to say Betis founder studied in Glasgow University. I never knew that. I know there's a connection as to why the Betis wear the hoops, but I never knew that. Um, Laura, the, the SPFL kind of it wasn't an official statement um, that they had spoken to the, the, the Daily Record and this is what they said they said we've seen today's statement from A2022 Sports Management which is seeking to replace UEFA's Champions League with a new European Super League our understanding is that the Court of Justice of the European Union will be ruling on UEFA's decision later this year and we await the outcome of that case with interest um, it, it doesn't seem at this point in time as if the SPFL are saying you know a complete no. That that this one seems to kind of be floating a wee bit more with teams in this, and you know a lot of people do have a distaste for UEFA. Um, as Brian rightly points out, there it's called the Champions League. Not many champions are in it. Celtic returned to it for the first time in five years this season, but this kind of seems to be a wee bit kind of more warmly welcome compared to that Super League plans. Yeah. Um... I, I don't really know what to make of it until we get more information on it. I think the I think the main thing that I'm, my thoughts are on the whole thing is if it's something that is a slightly different structure to the Champions League that allows more teams to compete at the highest European level, but we still have the domestic element of football, then I would welcome it a little bit more. I'm not really interested in Celtic becoming part of a closed-off, like, European league that is only us playing against other European teams or anything like it because I don't think it's Celtic if that happens. It might be a team playing their home games in Glasgow in green and white but I think part of Celtic's history, a massive part of Celtic's history is playing other teams from Scotland and that's the way I would like it to to remain going forward but you've got to be open to all these opportunities and ideas because at the end of the day it's the only way the club's going to survive if if that's the way football's going, you can't reject it outright because without it, you're probably going to be without a club in the in the near future. So it's difficult to have a, a like a concrete opinion on it until we get more information about exactly what the structure is going to be. But um, but I'm a bit conflicted about it. I have to say, Jim, um, six to eighty teams seems a hell of a lot. Jamie Young's coming in the comments here to say eighty club league. How they're going to pull that off? I think the initial mm. idea is to replace Champions League football altogether and you'll play 16 games if you're participating in this. So you'll still play your domestic football, but that's obviously you know an extra 10-game bulk onto your season. It's probably a bit of a kickback this off COVID with the teams that were kind of leading the way in it, and your Real Madrid, Juventus and Barcelona, who are still pushing it. Um, the Super League plan seemed to be a bit as if it was a kind of closed shop members club. It would be them and nobody else. 
this seems to be a wee bit more open, but I think there's a lot in kind of what Laura says there is about this kind of a traditional aspect. People will say about Celtic competing in the Champions League, European Cup, whatever you want to say. But again, if everybody goes um, in this direction, would Celtic be harming or selling off following suit? Absolutely. Yeah, I've been out the loop the last couple of weeks. I haven't actually read this thing that you're alluding to. Okay. Said in the past, a uh, number of months ago, is, is I have no issue with a European league as long as it's based on the meritocracy. And I don't know what this thing looks like, but if there's 80 teams in it and there's a top league and you, and you maybe kick off that top league based on the current coefficients and there's relegation from that league and you can make your way up and down the leagues and that's, that is the way forward. And of course, that's the way forward. Uh, you said earlier, Brian, current Champions League is a bit of a farce. Uh, being a kind of a older person in here, I, I despaired the way football was going, reading the stuff the other day about Man United up for sale at billions of pounds to the Qataris, and you're thinking, well, you know, where does this stop? Uh, you've always got to follow the money. I mean, things will change. Uh, and I think good points have been made so far about where do you see Celtic in this as a fan in I've said something in the past and I've had a few adverse comments into what are you comfortable with in paying a Celtic player per week? You know, So if you want to compete in this big league, you're going to be paying your players 100 grand a week, 200 grand a week. Are you comfortable paying that kind of money as a Celtic fan, given the roots of the club? That's the way forward. You've got to bite the bullet. Because, you know, 34 years ago, you would think, you know, how, how could a Celtic player earn 20 grand a week? That's just ridiculous, but this is where we are just now. So mm. the days of the Celtic players earning silly money is not that far off. And certainly if this kind of league kicks off, if you want those kind of players, that's what you've got to pay. So so I don't, I have no doubt there'll be some uh, European league coming up and it's all about the money, always follow the money. And if we want to be part of that, we're going to have to pay to be part of that in terms of wages and transfer fees and whatnot. Uh, if you don't like that, tough. That's just the way it's going to go. Uh, said a couple of months ago, I went down to to watch Pollock play at Ayr in the, in the Cup. And that was a throwback to like the 70s. The kind of you know, terrible ground and you're standing up. But there's a good feeling about it. You mm. know, this is the way it used to be. And, and things will change over the next few years and the types of fans going to games. Because football is extremely expensive. Really, really expensive. And all the punters can't afford to go to football matches. So that's going to get worse. So, so the whole demographic of who's actually attending football matches is going to change, you know. And for me, that's not a good thing. But if you're not part of that, then you'll end up being you know, Hibs or Dunfermline or whatever and playing some kind of Mickey Mouse league when over there is a huge league and you're not part of that. So I think it's a difficult one. Be careful what you wish for and all this stuff. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of kind of good points in that. Kevin Graham's came in to say he's into it. He says uh, we've completed Scottish football. Where they were signed, there'd be a lot of people who, you know, probably welcome an idea of Celtic competing in this. But Brian, I think something, you know, to go back to what Laura said earlier on with that, and you know, as Jim says, the demographic of football is changing. People, uh, money's been added on to, to ticket prices, which maybe people can't afford. Season ticket prices will rise over the, the, the years. Everybody just now, especially living in the UK, is facing that um, harsh reality. But just to go back to what Laura says, you know, she's always kind of pictured Celtic playing against teams in Scottish football. Maybe the difference with this is it'd be replacing the Champions League and you'd still have that domestic football. But again, just kind of looking at the overall picture of it, if Celtic's to go into a competition like this, we already know the riches, I think, of the Champions get about £40 million. Pounds. If this is going to even increase that revenue coming in, what does that mean for the rest of the teams in the league? So it's an interesting one. And I think 
So there's two ways of looking at it. I mean, if I was part of the, the Celtic board or the sort of executive team, then I'd be saying absolutely this. You need to go this way because it's a business at the end of the day in a lot of ways. And I always think you've got the, the sort of the football and the romantic aspect that Jim's talking about, like Pollock and, and the airplane versus the, the sort of corporate side of it. And essentially, football is always going to evolve, right? But you look at teams like Man City and, and 100 beaches of financial fair play and all that stuff. And, you know, it's just, I don't know if I would want the club to become a sort of, it's hard to say, I don't, I'm not saying I don't want European football because obviously you do you want European football every year. It depends what form that takes. And if it becomes a sort of super elitist, you know, Saudi-owned plaything, mm-hmm. that's not Celtic for me. So it really depends what form it takes. I think it would be naive to suggest we wouldn't take part in it. It just depends how it affects the club, what it looks like longer term. So there's a lot of unknowns. Um, but I think we, you you have a sort of ideological battle versus the, the business battle. And that's where the decisions are why. It, it becomes really difficult in that because, of course, as you say, Brian, you, know, you need to keep your fan base happy. But at the same time, business decisions are, are always kind of the, the number one, um, which is the kind of harsh business of football if you will um, and at, at times decisions are made I, you know the fans don't agree with we've seen that with this two years ago um, and it'll be interesting to see what comes yet but, because Laura you know as I said at the top of this when we're kind of starting the chat about it people say that UEFA has for too long now ruled the roost on things a lot of people disagree with UEFA decisions and stuff you know countries that are allowed to play in the competition countries that aren't allowed to play in the competition We've seen it, you know, with, with different um, emblems being shown in the competition and whatnot. Maybe people will think that UEFA's just got a wee bit too high in their roost. But again, as Brian says, if it becomes a kind of Saudi play toy um, that, that, that makes money, there's going to be kind of varying opinions in this. But, you know, could this be something that's a wee bit of a harsh shock to UEFA? You think if this court ruling, this is that, that's the block that kind of UEFA put in after the, the initial plans of the Super League, do you think this could be a wee bit of a shake-up for UEFA? Listen, it, it, it will be a shake-up for UEFA if anything comes of it and they lose the monopoly over football that they have in Europe anyway. Um, FIFA having the, the monopoly over world football, but hmm. the important thing to remember here is you can have all the problems with UEFA and the way that they work that you want and, and there are plenty to be had, but there are no good guys in this situation. The people who are coming to, to take over and to put forward this other option, have their own motivations, which are perhaps no more morally uh, correct than anything that UEFA had. At the end of the day, it all comes back to people trying to make money and people trying to find ways to make the most money that they can. Um, So just because anything new that comes isn't UEFA doesn't automatically make it better, I don't think. And like Brian said, if you start talking about the potential um, involvement of you know, the Saudis or the Qataris or anybody like that, it, it takes on a whole different spin. We've seen how that's affecting people's um, attitudes and opinions in the golf world with, with um, mm-hmm. live golf and all that kind of thing. And it it just makes it all very morally ambiguous and you, and you kind of just find yourself thinking, I wish I didn't have to think about this. I wish I was just watching 22 guys on a pitch kick a ball about because that's all I'm really bothered about but um, yeah as for UEFA specifically they'll be they'll be panicking the more momentum that this picks up because um, because 
you know, they're they're going to lose their monopoly that they've had for so long if if it does go through. The one encouraging thing I would say is the absolute rage that it that it kicked up the last time the Super League was proposed amongst the fans was the thing that stopped it the last time. There's mm-hmm. no doubt that the 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 forcefulness of the protest from the fans was what made clubs start dropping out. And then once clubs started dropping out, that was when it was deemed not to be financially viable. So for anybody who has an issue with this going ahead in whatever form that it is going ahead, I, I don't think sitting there and thinking that it's an inevitability is necessarily the thing to be doing. If you really oppose it, then there are ways to protest it peacefully and hopefully make sure that your club doesn't become something that you don't want it to become. The other yeah, thing, so we passed the gym just on that. This might replace the Champions League, as we know, but it doesn't mean it's not replacing UEFA, right? So no. they could essentially form their own Super League and say to teams like your Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, whoever, you just stay as part of the Champions League and let them have their Super League, which mm-hmm. would be like the maybe the conference. So it may not have the the glory and the the sort of the money behind it that that would have anyway. So it could be the case; it might just be a normal, fairly even playing field league which would be good so again we don't know what that's going to look like longer term Aye, and as you say Brian you know the, the big clubs if they can get them on their side it then becomes a wee bit more difficult you know if UEFA sent a couple of them you know come with us and then you've got a 2022 sportsman has been saying oh come with us which would likely be kind of you know you're really did Barcelona they two are the, the ones leading the way a lot of people say um, for Barcelona certainly that this is an obvious thing for them to try and make money because they're skint um, Laura, you said about you know watching twenty two guys in a football pitch. That's what we're doing tomorrow. We'll leave the the Super League chat um, for another day. For it was worth kind of covering there, Jim. I, I was surprised in the last round of the cup against the uh, Morton with, with the, the team selection that the manager came out. I don't expect you to remember the eleven on the park that day, but we had the likes of Kyogo, Aaron Moy, um, Joe Hanton, goals, Alistair Johnson all starting for us. Um, only a year ago, you know, we, we played Ray Throwers in the Cup. It's a game that kind of always sticks out for me and Angie's tenure. I think we won the game 4-0 and he's that clip and he's absolutely roaring um, at a player to stop passing the ball back. Um, we're not taking anything lightly. I don't think we've ever really did that during Angie's time. I would expect a pretty strong team tomorrow again. What, what's your thoughts on that? Because obviously the first part of the season we saw a lot of rotation. We're playing Champions League football. We're going Wednesday weekend. Um but just now, with only one game a week, I'd expect probably another strong start in 11. Yeah, last time I was on was before the Morton game and I thought they'd make loads of changes and I was really surprised at the team that he put out. Uh, because if you want to make, if, you, if players are going to make a contribution, they have to have some minutes in their legs. I mean, obviously, Ange knows better than any of us who things are going, but I was surprised in that it's difficult to call on players, as I said, if they haven't as many minutes in the legs. I'd like them to leave out a few players tomorrow, but I don't think they'll leave out any more than, they'll make any more than maybe two or three changes at most. I like, I like Joe Hart to get a rest. Maybe bringing Ben Seagreese. I'd like Kyogo to get a rest. He's on fire. But uh, mm-hmm. for me, it's just a cup. I mean, uh, yeah, you want to win a cup. If you don't win a cup, I'm not that first, to be perfectly honest. But from Angie's point of view, he wants to win every game. He wants to win every, every uh, trophy that's there to be won. Leaving out Kyogo and giving Noah a chance. Again, you know, he, he's only had a few minutes of big chap, so it's going kind to of, can't make any judgments to them. I think it's an ideal game to play them. Home game, big crowd. It's not a league game, so it's not as intense, I think, as a league game would be. I maybe leave Hatati out. Uh, I, he's been, for me, the best player of the season, but he's maybe shaded the last couple of games. He's given a wee rest, maybe give David Turnbull a game because 
he scored a few goals in the last few games. So, so I'd like to make more changes than that. But I think if he makes those three, I think that would kind of do for me. Uh, yeah, that would do for me tomorrow. That's a fair shout. We were reading Stylian Petrov yesterday, who he believes has been the best player under Anjit Celtic, Israel Hitati, um, which is high praise indeed from, from somebody like yeah. Petrov. But uh, Brian, you know, the, the team in the last game, we mentioned a few there, but we went against Morton, Joe Hart goes back four of Johnston, Starfield, Kobayashi, Burnaby, midfielder McGregor, Moy Turnbull, up top, Abada, Maeda, uh, Kyogo. Even kind of going for that Livingston game into the weekend there um, against Johnston last weekend, it was only, I think, one change in the team. And always kind of when you're looking at an Ange team, you're thinking, right, okay, a winger's played 90 minutes Wednesday. That means there'll be a change going into this game at the weekend. There's not really been that. I, I think I would agree with, with Jim Shoot. Two or three changes probably max is what you're expecting here. Whereas before, as I say, that kind of first part of the season, it was wholesale five or six changes. Um, of course, we've made a mistake already this season against St Murn making too many changes. So, what's your thoughts on this? Is it maybe kind of leave out you kinda, your Joe Hart's, your Kyogos, or is it, you know, start with your strongest start 11 in the first half, or you've got five subs to come off the bench, second half? That's actually exactly my thoughts. I would start with, um, I would, well, I would let Turnbull come in for Hitati. I agree with Jim. I think Turnbull's earned it. Was it four goals and six appearances or something off the bench? Yeah. And he, he's played his way into the team. I think um, it benefited him. What would be interesting, I, I don't think there'll be many other changes. Um, however, what they should do and what I hope they do is if you know we're comfortable going into the second half, say, there's no reason to not change. I think that's the only thing sometimes. We've been very comfortable in games, a couple of goals up, and I think, you know, give Law a chance, you know, stick him on at the back. Maybe give O a, a full half hour instead of ten minutes mm-hmm. at the end, stuff, stuff like that. So I, I would probably like that to happen. But the reality is, it's always that conversation, isn't it? If you play, I see a team of youngsters. In one hand, they're playing for Celtic; they should be good enough. But if they get beat, then it's a massive gamble. And how does that affect them? Um, I get the impression, and it's a wee bit hurt. They never won the cup last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you want to set that straight, especially given Europe. You know, maybe not making the inroads in Europe we'd have expected. So I, I think strong team, maybe a bit of rotation up front, but that'll be it. Laura, there's a point there, I think, in David Turnbull that, that's quite interesting. It comes from the interview John Kennedy did during, during the week, and he was talking about, you know, that five sub rule, how it's been to Celtic's advantage. We, of course, all believe that we've got the best squad in the league. Um, and in terms of that, you know, it allows us to bring on you know five quality players at any given point. We, we tend to do that. But he was basically saying, whether a player's coming off the bench for five minutes or 45 minutes, they've all got a chance in this team to show to the manager, I can do something. David Turnbull keeps doing that when he's coming off the bench. I know he's a player who maybe divides opinion with a few people about his qualities, but he's certainly you know putting his name in the, the mix of players to be considered. And again, I don't want to call him the forgotten man, but the, the important part that Matt O'Reilly played for us this season, he's really getting a look in just now because of the former Aaron Moy. What was your thoughts about that kind of midfield dynamic tomorrow? Um, well, it's never a bad thing to have a, a number of good players fighting for a place in the starting eleven, but perhaps in something that I took from, from the John Kennedy interview and from reading between the lines was that five substitute rule really changes what what a substitute is for me um, in terms of you're basically able to change half of the outfield team, obviously, assuming you're not going to substitute the goalie and, and accept an injury. And and 
looking at what he's done when he came off the bench, Turnbull, there's nothing to say. I'm not saying he'll be satisfied with that, but he's been effective when he's come off the bench. He's made he's made the appropriate interventions and the appropriate passes and scored a couple extra goals when he's been brought on. And sometimes I think when there's that much quality in the squad and that much um, ability in the squad, sometimes players, I think, would do well to recognise that being an effective substitute when you come on is is being part of the team. It is being part of the success. He's quite often been involved in wrapping up games that maybe he wouldn't have been as involved in in the later stages of the match if he had started the game. So, um, listen, that's not going to placate him. He'll want to start as many games and play as many minutes as possible. But um, I certainly think, as somebody who's always been a big fan of David Turnbull, I don't actually... I'm not clamouring for him to get to get a start if he continues to contribute in the way that he has off the bench because I think that's as effective as, as what a lot of our best players are doing. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Yeah, and as Brian says, I think it is it's something like that, Brian, about four goals in six games or something off the bench. Some players can be different, you know, they, they can give you that wee bit off the bench, but as sometimes if you start again, you maybe don't get as as much um, in that spell Jim since you were last on you know that, that Morton game Aaron Moyes kind of came into his being uh, again he scored an absolutely fantastic goal uh, last weekend great pick out from Jota really good finish it's becoming a bit like mental torture for the guy when he keeps getting put up for interviews though it's just as if leave him alone now you can tell mm-hmm. he's not really wanting to do it BBC Scotland are going on about you know what makes this guy tick and all that let's get into his head and he's not giving anything away What's been your thoughts on on his performances over the past few weeks since you were last on? I saw a comment from somebody who said that Moy's doing what we thought McCarthy would do for us, which was an interesting point I thought somebody made. Uh, He's been a revelation since the World Cup. I think uh, think most fans, including myself, didn't know much about the guy. Uh, Raised eyebrows, uh, coming in for no fee, given his age, he said. But obviously, again, he knows what he's doing. And... uh, He's been given a run in the team. He's, he's now fully matched fit. And that's a bit about, you need to give players minutes because, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes here and there 
doesn't do them that much good. But if you've if managed four, five games in the team, you get a chance to find your feet, find your rhythm, claim the teammates, understand what they're doing, what kind of runs they make, etc. Et but certainly, yeah, I think over the last month he's been certainly their best player, and that's kind of coincided with Hatati shading a wee bit, uh, and that's why I could do a wee change, I think, tomorrow. But he's been he's been great, and obviously part of modern football is able to stand in front of the cameras and say a few words, and, and they. It doesn't matter at the end of the day as long as he does a business on the park, then that should it should concern us. Aye, he's certainly doing the business in the park. Really, really impressed by him. Um, it's a really hard kind of dynamic to put together. I, I think in any given day, it's a bit tricky. I know a lot of people will still be a big fan of that. That free and McGregor attacking O'Reilly, which was so effective for his second part of last season. But Moy's well in with the shout, and you know, Laura outlined David Turnbull's. I also Declan on that point with Matt O'Reilly out the team. Him coming on, I don't think I mean, he's been he's been he's been fine when he's been he's came on, but he's not reached the levels he was at before. No, it's he's just got the goal this on. season. Yeah, but but it's hard to go on as a substitute, and you've only got twenty minutes to actually do something. Mm. You know, so you need to build a bit of confidence up. I and mean, yeah, I think he's got a wee bit to go to get back to his best, and that, that's difficult if you're a sub. So I think he has to play two or three games. But you get into that team ahead of Moy at the moment. I don't think you do. You know. No, I, I think for me, Jim, you know, my kind of strongest midfield three just now is is McGregor. Moy and Hatate, but again, yeah. that that could change. But the only thing is, Brian, you know, players at the back of their mind will be looking at this cup final in a couple of weeks' time, and they've only got two games to make an impact before them. You know, I speak about the lack of midweek games, which is a, a good thing for us. You know, we play such a huge bulk of games, but we've got Saint in the cup, won the game against Aberdeen, and it's it's show business time. Um, and players are, are going to want to play in that game, but they've got a very limited chance to kind of do so in these next two games. No, but again, it's, it's the constant theme is I suppose taking your chances. I mean, if you look at Matt O'Reilly, it's he has he's he's no quite hit heights, but even with that, he's still got the most assists in the league, which is which is fascinating. So it shows you the strength of depth in the bench, and if there is injuries, if there is opportunities, um, I think that you could probably guarantee the back four is not going to change. You know, I think. And it's said defence is the hardest place to get a a, a, um, a role in the team because it likes it very consistent. Um, and what's interesting, Andrew's asked about something about you know, getting revenge and stuff like that before because obviously they beat us. And he said I'd be disappointed if that was an extra motivator for the players, but it's got to be, right? Same with the, the Rangers game coming up. They've got to be thinking, I want to start that game and I'll do everything to start that. And if every player's, you know, breaking their back, to make an impression, to start these games, that's exactly what you want. Like, you know, if you just had a set of loving and that was it, made no competition, we wouldn't be successful and you wouldn't want that in your squad. So I think it's a really good position we're in that you've got so much sort of competition for places. And quite honestly, like, even when he's made changes, I don't think the teams, there's not been many games where I've been, oh, so-and-so's not played that team looks really weak without them. Mm. You know, I think even when Borelli dropped out and Moy came in or if they've changed sort of wingers and stuff, that I think the system and the way of playing is so strong and the squad's, you know, fairly consistent that even when he makes changes, there's not a huge drop-off either way. So I suppose it's a very long-winded way of saying I'm quite relaxed about it, to be honest. Aye, Aye. no, it's been seamless, which I think is the biggest pleasing aspect of it, that... You know, I keep saying that that's at Mern game um, in September time. That if you'd had a Celtic team that was up and running like it is just now, making all the changes to the team, I don't think you would have seen too big a difference. I know it was Stephen Wales part a bit more at Shanks in there. The two of them didn't have a great afternoon, but again, up top we weren't able to put the ball in the back of the net, which has been 
you know, our trademark to be able to do that. Um, but as you say, you know, O'Reilly, most assists in the league, but it really kind of says it all about him. He's 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 quiet in there in terms of he gets over his job, but he, he's effective with it. And he picked up another one at the weekend, uh, just nudging that wee ball over to Turnbull. But everyone counts for him. Um, and Laura, you know, one player I was kind of surprised with the amount of appearances made and I noticed that the other day when I was writing something was Leia Labada 88 appearances so far for Celtic so he's likely to hit 100 this season which is pretty incredible for somebody he's only 21 still uh, Abada and again tomorrow's probably a, a good chance for maybe him to come into the team Yeah he's a he's a strange one Abada because I, I don't know I'm guessing here and Alan Alan Morrison would have my guts for garters, as they say, if 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 he thought I was guessing this, but I think he made more appearances earlier on than he has later on. Um and I'm not entirely sure why. I think maybe Angie's recognised that he needs a bit of work in certain tactical areas and maybe that's why he hasn't featured so much for the for the first team as much and has been more of a bench player this season, I think. Mm. Um but I, the thing I like about Abada and I think is getting better is I think too often we think of him as a wide player because he gets put on that wide right position. But he doesn't play like a winger to me, really. He doesn't often take on players and beat them and get to the byline and swing crosses in. But he's such a danger cutting in from the right-hand side or even being at the back post when the ball's over on the left-hand side and coming in. And I think that's totally invaluable in terms of the threat that he can offer. And again, it's another reason why, like I said about David Turnbull, there are some players that the way that they play is an asset to have coming off the bench late in a game when teams are tired. And I think that's that's a way in which he can be um can be really useful. But I, having said that, I do I do think that tomorrow's an opportunity to get him in from the start again, hopefully get him on the ball an awful lot more than we have been and really see what he can do in terms of taking these players on because with all due respect to St Mirren, if he can't shine in a Celtic team this strong against St Mirren then then there's there's not much hope for him. But it's difficult with the wide players because I, I, I've said this before on the pod about both Maeda and Jota and Abada. We tend to seem to focus our play down one side or the other for certain mm-hmm. periods of the game. And when we do that, then obviously the player on the other side doesn't see the ball an awful lot and everybody thinks <clears throat> they're not having a great game. The game's <clears throat> passing them by, but you can't really do much as the player on the other side of the park if the ball's if the play's getting focused down say the left hand side in, in, in Abada's case. So some of the some of the criticism of Abada and some of the praise of Abada is all about how we're actually choosing to play that day. And I think that needs to be taken into consideration when we are actually assessing his performance. Yeah, I think the big difference was... between sorry jump in no, the big jump. difference between this year or this season and last season is uh, is the injury to Tony Rolson. I think, and that's why we're not going down the right. Now, Arthur Johnson looks a fairly solid player, but you know he's not going to score many goals. I don't think uh, mm. he's not putting balls into the box, and that's what we miss from Tony Ross. The quicker Tony Ross gets back, the better. I find that bad, a bit of an enigma. I think he's an, an instinctive player. I think he, he'll know where to go, so he goes there, and the ball comes, he scores. You give him the ball to his feet. I don't think technically he's as good as, as he could be. He doesn't beat a man. You know, he's a good pace. You'll get by people. But give him a ball, give him time to think. He's nowhere near as good as if you don't give him time to think. And he's an instinctive player. The guy I'd love to see playing the right hand side is Haksabanovic. That's mm. the guy I'd like to see. That's my front three would be Haksa, Kyogo, Yota. That, that's the three I'd like to 
to see moving forward. Because I think Haksabanovich would offer more. You can't argue with Abada's contribution. But again, Haksabanovich is not somebody who's had three, four, five games in a row playing in one position. Yota's better than the left, albeit Maeda's been fantastic this season, but Yota's our guy in the left, Kyogo's our guy in the middle, and I'd love to see Haxley get a run of four or five games because I think he'd be a revelation. And it's almost yeah. as if Jimmer kind of try to accommodate that, though, because you're seeing Maeda plays so much on the left-hand side, which means that Jota has to play that right-hand side. I know there's an interchange yeah. a lot with the wingers, but um, no, I agree that Jota looks a far better player when he plays on the left-hand side, but again, you can't underestimate what, what Dyson's did for us this season. But Haxabanovich is an interesting player because if you remember right going into that kind of winter break, World Cup break, that he scored the last goal before it, the winner against Ross County. He'd mm-hmm. won November Player of the Month. I know we'd only played a few games in November. Yeah. And then there's an injury. He, he's not really, you know, there or thereabouts. The, the, the team, I'd like to see him kind of build up his minutes because, again, he's one of these players that can come in for the wing. Something you've probably talked about, Laura, there. And we know he can play as a 10 and he'll, he'll come into that, that bit of play, which again gives us something extra because when you're creating overload in there with the inverted fullbacks, it's just too many bodies in the middle of the park and, and teams just can't cope with it. But but one thing I was going to say there, Laura, you talked about play being concentrated. I noticed that on Sunday. Um, Dyson was in acres of space and we were continually go down uh, the, the side of Jota. So be interested to see what happens. But Abada, I, I just found that kind of astonishing. He played 54 times for his last season, 34 mm. this season. He's actually played, you're right in saying he's played probably more for the bench, Laura, but he's played in every single league game for us this season, wow. which again talks to the strength for you know, the five subs rule. But he's an interesting mm-hmm. one that I think's always, he's not forgotten about, but when you think back to the big moments, you know, going against Rangers and whatever else, he's, he's in and out, or he's always kind of there or thereabouts. Um, but he's one we'll, we'll kind of look at and see. I think he's one who's still got a bit to go in terms of development. I agree with Jim. He's a bit of an instinct player, but again... But he's made a fantastic contribution. And we look back last season, you could pick any number of players. Yakimakis yeah. as well. You said, without Yakimakis, we don't want to leave. Without Abada, without Kyogo. So it's just, he's made a fantastic contribution. I just think he's instinctive. That's all. I mean, so many good players. Just... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. Which, yeah, is, a good thing, is, which is a good thing to have. So, no, absolutely. And, and even one, you know, Brian, you, you mentioned uh, Boston Label earlier, but you get Kobe Ashi in there who's played 
twice for as he started the last game against Morton in the Cup could be a chance again to see him just kind of in terms of his fellow compatriot and Tomoki Iwata kind of it was talking in the press the other day about you know the standard's been really really high at Celtic and all the other players having something he's no got at this point in time and saying that he knows he needs to work really really hard to get to that that level of play for Iwata you know he's still on loan it's very likely that we will sign him in a kind of similar deal with Dyson he's a player that obviously the manager knows well he was MVP in Japan last season where the minutes come for Timoke Iwata? Because you'd probably be thinking the Cup's a good opportunity for him, but again, you don't don't not play your captain, do you? Well, I suppose if we, you can always rest Tati and move McGregor forward. Mm. You know, that, that, that would seem an obvious sort of thing because I think McGregor's always going to play if he's fit. I think he's he's a real leader. And I, I think, I've said before, I think, I don't think he's been our best player this season, but I think he's a, the one player who we're a different team without. I just think he, offer, he always offers us something different, especially defence and attack. So I think you could do that. You could slot Iwata and move McGregor forward. It's interesting just listening to Jim and Laura talk about the wingers. So just in terms of Jim, you were saying about Abada, I think you could probably apply that to Mieda as well. It's just that Mieda right. wants to off the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why, to Laura's point, I think play tends to be concentrated because the dynamic seems to be traditional winger, say Jota, Kyogo, and then your sort of second striker slash not quite winger, Maeda or Abada. Because I think Andrew was talking midweek about formations and he said, well, if you look at a formation at any time, we've almost always got at least two attackers in the box. So if you look at when Jota pulls wide, where he's going to dribble in or cross, Maeda tends to come in at the back post or flip side to be Abada. So you tend to, it's almost like a second striker more than a winger. But I agree with you, I'd like to see Haksabanovic um, but I suspect you would see Haxabanovic in Maeda or Haxabanovic in Abada. I don't mm. think he plays quite the two Um Forrest is probably the one that's the, the compromise there because he can kind of do both, right? And that's why I think, you know, you might see him tomorrow, actually. Maybe him and Haxabanovic would be, be good to see. Yeah, he's always in the mix, eh? Jamesy, you know, when he's he's on target, I think, for that 500 club. So any appearances for him, I think, are welcome um, at this point in time. But it's great that we've got so many different options in there. There's plenty of players um, to choose from to, to, to put them into the side. So, but we'll see how that goes. Um, Laura, just kind of, you know, the overall of this, I think there's probably a point in that it probably did hurt a wee bit last season, not actually getting... Uh, the Scottish Cup we've got a cup final again and the League Cup to look forward to hopefully um, we again pick that bit of silverware up but you know everything uh, seems to be just kind of coming nicely together for that but just in terms of the, the Scottish Cup it's always a trophy I really like Celtic winning just due to the tradition the Celtic kind of being brought up in stories you know my dad getting along to the 85 Cup final and the 100 Cup final which I, I was listening to a story last night was watching the telly um, and Jim you'll probably remember this you know better than any he's here and he, he said that he, during Covid he was watching old games and it was at Scotland 86 uh, World Cup and Strachan obviously he gets a goal against West Germany I think in that mm-hmm. competition yeah. and he says he's said, watching the game back and he says I never realised how good Roy Aitken was in that game he says so I'm sitting he says I get the phone out and I phone uh, Big Roy up and he says to him I said Big Man he said Gordon Strachan aye what is it and he says uh, he says you were absolutely outstanding in that game he goes, you mean that? He says, I really mean it. He said, I just put the funding on him after that. So a mm. week and a daft deal. Uh, a two people connected with sales, one former player, one former manager. Brian, I know you mm. need to head off um, at this point. We're not going to go too long because I know everybody's been wanting me the hard act to follow Tony. So we'll let you 
jump off at this point in time. Cheers for your contribution. Uh, Jim, just in terms of that, though, we, we sailed it in the, the Scottish Cup. It is always kind of that old traditional tournament. As I mentioned, I'm old man be 85 and Frank McGarvey scores a winner or Maca in 88 and whatever else. It's always a competition that you like to see is in the final and it's always a showpiece spectacle mm-hmm. at the end of the season. And it used to be sunny in Cup final day, but seems to be waiting nowadays. Did you see we'd have had that to follow? Is that what you said? Oh, yeah, absolutely, we did have a hard act to follow, yeah. I thought, I, I thought it was a warm-up act. Sorry, I'm no. a warm-up act. Oh, right, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think the Cup's good if it's part of a treble. I think, uh, you know, if you haven't won the league, then you're that fussed about winning the Cup. It's just a day out at Hamden to me, I think. Yeah, there's been big games in the past, uh, exciting times in the past. I saw that there was a BBC Scotland thing on that showed the 88 Cup finals on a few weeks ago. It was an awful programme with people just sitting commenting. Oh, I've seen that. that. It's terrible. Ah, it's just rotten. dreadful. And you think, who puts these things together? I mean, it's it's not aimed at a football fan. It's aimed at, it? aimed at idiots who maybe want to watch a wee bit of football. It's just, it's just awful. Uh, yeah, it's been some great coming. Go back to the 65 Cup final, Bender like Bertie, uh, which is the good link. Cup like final, that. Good yep. link. That's, that's why I'm here. Uh, Aye, that's what that's what that's what launched everything. Uh, but yeah, if you if you win the league, you want to get get the cup for the treble, and it becomes really exciting. Uh, if you haven't won the league, it becomes a bit of a damp squib. I mean, if you take your, the main rivals last year when they'd lost the league and obviously lost the Europa League as well, we, it was a kind of a day out at Hamden. You win a cup, hey ho, it's quite good. But if if it's part of a treble, yeah, it's quite exciting. Mm-hmm. I said all the, all, all the time, the league is the main thing. You know, I mean, if we take it. A couple of players injured tomorrow playing in the cup game. People would ask me, why, why are you playing them in that? Because mm-hmm. the league's the most important thing. So it's, it's always a bit of a balance in that. You know, and the league's the most important thing. And, and the thing we said at the very start of the programme is that why is the league so important? Because you get automatic into the Champions League. Why is that so important? Because you get £40 million ka-ching. That's the most important thing. And one of the things that, well, one of the famous things that Jocks Dean always said that, you know, football is nothing without fans. Was well, getting to that stage that actually it will become no fans because it's about TV. It's what, game tomorrow night, half past five. I can't go. I've, I've got a ticket and I can't go because I've got something else to do. Half past five on a, on a Saturday night. Sorry, off that tangent there. That's <laughs> all right. Scottish Cup, yeah. If you win the league and it's to win the treble, brilliant. Uh, if it's not, it becomes a bit of a consolation prize. I mean, it's, it's more of a, a big thing, I think, for the, for the smaller teams. It's it's because because it, over the last forty years, realistically, they're never going to win the league. So this is a chance to win something. And when a, a Hibs or a Hearts or a St Johnson or a Motherwell get to a cup final, it's a huge thing. Whereas mm-hmm. I know a couple of seasons ago we talked about Celtic fans entitled. There is a wee bit of that with regard to the cup. It's another cup final. If it's a Glasgow derby, it's a bit different because the, the stakes are raised a bit. Mm-hmm. But you know, if we're playing, don't know. Uh, Dundee United in the cup in a couple of weeks time, we'd expect to win the game. And if we didn't win the game, we'd be saying, you know, you know. So, anyways, that's the old cynic talking. That's what you, Laura. It's always, <laughs> it's always good to get that. And the half five, so the young cynic. By the way, the, the half slightly younger cynic. The, the half five kickoff is uh, always to the the pleasing aspect. I think in every landlord in Glasgow, because it means that everybody's in for a wee bit longer, and they can get absolutely mm-hmm. blitzed before they go to the game. Um, but that's just one aspect to the half five kickoff. But I think that's a fair comment on that. And Will, you mentioned the 65 Cup final, we're talking about 88. 
I uh, had a phone conversation this morning with Eddie Linus that I know from the Billy McNeil Commemoration Committee just to let everybody know that they are having their very first uh, Grand Ball um, at Celtic Park uh, in April time. Um, you, you can purchase a table or individual tickets there. It'll be held in the, the, the Kerry deal. They've got a bit of comedy on, some former players. And uh, if you want to go along to that, check out their Facebook page, Billy McNeil Commemoration Committee. Um but, you know, Laura, just before we kind of wrap up, everything is coming together just now. We had 25 games um, in the league at the weekend against St Johnston. We know this is a different competition we're going into here. There's 13 games to go before it's all wrapped up for another year and we can head off on our summer holidays. I know Jim's maybe got four or five of them booked because he's always uh, on his travels. But, uh... That's Natasha. You're, you confuse me with <laughs> Natasha, which is, which is easily done. So... <laughs> Of course, the two most um, the two most glamorous people in Axholm. Easily done, <laughs> easily mistaken. In fact, I was in Axholm uh, night a few weeks ago. With Brian McLean, jockey, brilliant night. I met Natasha for the first time. So there was all these say say thanks to all the all the people who were there who came up to came up to speak to me. Which I think because was next to Natasha, maybe that's why they were. <laughs> <laughs> good night, but it's a really good night. So, and Lawrence was there as well. So there you go. Did buy you a drink? No, but get along to the next one coming up soon. Tom Boyd's major plug. So major plug. Uh, but as I say, Laura, you know, twenty-five games are thirteen to go before it's all wrapped up. The bulk of the fixtures before the the split, I think it's eight games. Five of them at home. Three of them are in a really good position just now, and it's just about continuing that that momentum going into St. Mum tomorrow. Yeah, the, listen, it, some cliches are based in truth and the, and the old football cliche of winning's a habit is, is one of the things that, that you just need to remember that, you know, whether whether the cup is the priority or not, winning in the cup's not going to do us any harm in terms of the league either. So I'm sure that'll be Angie's message to the players and hopefully we can we can follow through on that. Unfortunately, I will probably only catch the second half or something like that because I've got tickets to Bend at Lake Bertie for tomorrow. So uh, taking my Uncle Gerard to that. for He was 75 in January, so happy belated birthday to him. And that is how we are celebrating. We're going to see Jim's, what I've heard is a very good show. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to it and hopefully going to get a few laughs in while we're watching that um, and uh, hopefully come out to the news of a good start to the Celtic game and uh, hopefully a good finish as well. That's the most absolutely. sensible comment I've seen on the screen all day. Pete McGee. There you go. Absolutely. Yep. Well, absolutely. <laughs> you've, you've made uh, you've absolutely made very happy for the weekend. Um, Jim, all the best. It's, take, for, it's taken this go. long for that kind of comment, I'm surprised. But anyway, <laughs> no, not at all. No, I was going to say all the best for, for tonight and tomorrow, Lord. I hope you've time. Uh, having been along to see it, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And you'll have, a, you'll have a great night out and hopefully uh, Celtic boot their place in the, the next round of the Cup. Thanks to all our uh, contributors on the show today good to have Tony back on thanks everybody in the comments I know we've been a wee bit longer here um, we didn't want you to miss out on our dulcet tones for that extra wee bit so we've, we've ran with the show here thanks to everybody Jim have a great weekend you too Laura and uh, we'll catch you all soon cheers cheers cheers, Bye. cheers.
Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.